Welcome to the second episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. Today is going to be a football-centric episode, but before we start getting down to business, got to remind everyone, podcast is up everywhere now. There is no excuse to not be subscribed. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I'm going to try and get it on the Amazon Amazon podcast service, but their submission process is a little different than the other ones. But once I get to that, it'll be up there too. Going to start producing some more videos for YouTube eventually. But for now, got a good friend about to join the show, talk a little Giants football. But before we get to the Giants, I've got to set the scene for everyone. The fabled New York football Giants, as Chris Berman loves to call them. The team that's had six general managers in their existence, that's had the Mayor family in charge since the beginning, that everyone reveres as this great iconic franchise, is now off in an abyss with no real direction or hope in sight. Interceptions in 12 games, two to nine, and it's Beckham making the catch. And off to the races he goes. Car chasing him down. Can't get him. Touchdown Giants to take the lead. And with that, I bring in my good friend, Christopher Schweitzer. How the hell did the Giants get here? Um, I think to put it simply and to give you just one just one answer, I think the drafts, their, their draft record has been pretty atrocious for a number of years now. Like I, you know, when we were trying to prepare for this show, we were looking at some of the old drafts and like, it's, it's kind of tough to find the last time they had like a good draft, you know, like, like, a, like a Colts draft from a couple years ago when they got uh, Quentin Nelson and, and Darius Leonard, like the Giants haven't had a draft with like two all pros or like two like perennial pro bowlers in a while. It's been Not even just starters. We just need a draft yeah, like, with multiple starters. Yeah. Like good, good quality starters, you know, even like a, like a saints when they had, when they got Lattimore and Kamara in the same draft, like, Giants haven't haven't had that either. Like it's it's been pretty rough for a while now. The the drafts have been awful. Yeah, I mean, I think we're as we start getting into this. Why? When would you say, in your opinion, you stopped having confidence that you the Giants knew what they were doing as a team? Because for a while they were pretty consistent. Like I was genuinely excited to watch a Giants game every Sunday. When would yeah. you say, in your opinion, that it kind of tailed off and now they're kind of the laughing stock that they are? I think I think it started I think it started before 2016. But I think like when I when I finally realized what they were and what they were becoming, I think it was the 2017 season. Um, because of course 2016 was in the head first year with McAdoo and they won what 11 games that year. They beat the Cowboys twice. That was a really good team. Well, they had a really good defense and the offense was just Odell Beckham. So they won a lot of games. Um, but like, like I said, they, they had a number of bad years before that. And then that year kind of like, Oh, see, like Jerry Reese knows what he's doing. He made a bunch of big, you know, flashy free agent signings and they won 11 football games. This is a good team again. Like this is the giants that we, you know, I grew up watching and then they stunk again and they haven't been good since. And I think right after that, right after they, they failed again immediately after I was like, okay, this is, like this is where the Giants are right now. They're they're becoming a laughing stock of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, when we were doing pre-production yesterday, we talked about it a lot that you need guys just to fill out a roster in the draft, and the Giants haven't even had that where they've just been able to get guys who are serviceable to play. I mean, there were multiple drafts where within two three years, pretty much everyone they drafted wasn't on the roster anymore. And you're running out of rosters. If you don't have enough guys to fill out a roster, the guys you bring in are not going to be particularly good. If you're get, you have to fill that many roster spots through free agency and practice squad sniping and trying to trade for players. And you run into the problem they have now where they just don't have a lot of talent, like at anywhere, really. They've got maybe 10 decent guys on a 53-man roster. It's pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, there's a reason football players are either on a practice squad or go undrafted or, you know, are able to hit free agency. It's usually because they're not that good. Every once in a while, you know, you, you find a dud, you find a diamond in the rough, but you can't rely on those guys to fill out your roster 
like the Giants have been trying to do. And like it very clearly shows that plan isn't working, that they don't they don't have like enough, like you said, enough depth to to stay competitive. I mean, we got look what they've done with the number two corner spot specifically we were talking about yesterday, where they've just been rotating guys in every other game since last season because they have no one who can do it. Baker was yeah. lost, and that's a flushed away draft pick. Valentine <laughs> has been bad. They haven't had a nickel corner in five years who was decent since they had DRC. Like he was the last good nickel corner the Giants had, and that was what three years ago, four years ago, something like that. So, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I we talked about this. I, I sound like Jim Nance and Tony Romo, but <laughs> we we talked about how the draft is a reflection of the team and what the team has tried to do. They tried to keep Eli as the guy for as long as possible, and I think that's kind of where the problem started. Was they wanted to try and preserve a window of competitiveness with Eli as the starting quarterback as long as possible, past a point where that was realistic. And it led to short-term decisions like throwing all that money at those free agents. It led them to drafting at positions that didn't make a ton of sense. And they took a tight end in the first round, Ingram. They took a running back yeah. in the first round, what, twice this decade? Where they took, what, David Wilson and Saquon, yeah? Yeah, Tight David end, Wilson, running Saquon, back. They're, those are luxury positions. You can't be taking tight ends and running backs in the first round if you're not a totally ready-to-go team. Tight end in the first round is for a this is our last piece. We're ready to go. Same thing with running back. You can't be taking yeah. premium positions early because you can find guys late at those positions, especially running back, especially running back. Running back probably is like the best position to find later in the draft, just because of the nature of the position. So one of the things specifically that I know my friend Ethan at Gotham has beaten like a drum is that, the problem is the way the Giants are set up, that they have the owner's son in charge of player personnel. And all due respect, I'm sure Chris Mara is a nice person, but I don't think someone who's, you know, a rich person's son should kind of be in charge of scouting and player personnel. Like, I watch Red Zone, you watch Red Zone. That I, I don't think Chris Mara is crunching a lot of tape, is what I'm going to go out on the limb and say, yeah. considering he's grown up rich his entire life. I just yeah, don't there's probably there's, there's probably somebody with better qualifications than than being the the you know than their last name. I think yeah. that's definitely the best way to put it. And that's also where the drafting problem comes into play because he's in charge of directing what the scouts are doing. He's in charge of what pro personnel is doing, what free agents they're looking at, and then he's working in concert with the general manager to fill their weird obligation to play like. 2006 football which is kind of what they've been doing the last few years with the guys yeah. they've been drafting with running backs and all the defensive tackles and interior linemen they've taken where they're not really addressing the problems of what makes a good team in today's nfl where you know defensive tackles are nice it helps to be able to stop the run but i'd rather the other team run the ball than throw all over you i mean don't get me wrong bradbury's been very good this year i gotta give them credit i wasn't yeah, high on that signing phenomenal. I wasn't high on that signing. I know you've been a Bradbury guy since what Madden 18, 17? <laughs> I saw like that, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, a I was a Bradbury guy because of Madden and then he comes to the Giants and he's incredible, but <laughs> hey, I mean that's more of a case of I think a broken clock is right twice a day. Eventually yeah, you bring in yeah. enough guys, one of them has to be decent. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the free agents they've brought in over the years. They brought in uh what who was the Carolina running back on the Dave Gettleman Memorial Scholarship? Oh, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, they Jonathan brought in Jonathan Stewart, Stewart on the yeah. Memorial Scholarship. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't sign Frank Gore this year, in all honesty. But they signed Deion Lewis yeah. instead. So they got a veteran in there to waste a little space and, you know, take touches away from the guy you took second overall, which is the whole point of taking a running back second overall. Yeah. Is you got to get him the ball 20 times a game, whether it's touch whether it's receptions or rushing attempts, he's got to touch the ball at least 15, 20 times a game, like the Panthers yeah. do with McCaffrey and the Saints do with Kamara. It's just, if you take a guy that high in the draft, he needs to give you value. And he was the best playmaker the Giants had before he got hurt. And he still wasn't able to do a lot. Granted, yeah. we'll get to that, why, there are pro yeah. why they have problems now. But just wrapping up this general setting of the scene, I know you specifically yesterday said, are we going to talk about the boat pick? 
because that is a clear linear delineation in the timeline <laughs> where it yes. kind of seems like from that point on the giants have just been hexed yeah i mean that was that like i don't i don't know we, we can't say for certain if there was you know that was the beginning of the end but if you just look at the record post boat pick and then the record of that season pre-boat pick i mean it's pretty obvious they looked like they, they looked pretty good for the entirety of the 2016 season they go down to miami on an off day you know seven six days before a playoff game take a picture on a boat and then they forget how to play odo beckham forgot how to catch a football in that in, in lambeau field and then i mean i don't even know what they've won 10 games maybe since since that picture They've got the worst record in football since Gettleman took over as general manager yeah. in 2017. So, and that includes a year in which the Browns went 0-16. The Browns have still yeah. had a better record than the Giants in this window. Because, <laughs> I mean, you got to figure, the Browns went, what, 7-8-1 and and then 6-10? and Those are respectable. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying I want the Giants to go 7-8-1 and right now because they kind of need to bottom out and just, you know, start from scratch because this half measures – nonsense hasn't worked which is also going back to the eli thing was they never really looked at the problem they just kept throwing money at the problem and trying to fix it with plug and play guys and drafting guys highly to make things work instead of actually looking at the problem because they don't really they don't reflect on why they're losing it because look what they've done where they fired a head coach after two seasons twice now with uh, mcadoo and Shermer. they've rotated the coordinators in with those guys because McAdoo was calling plays and then who was his OC? Uh, was it like was it like Mike Shula? So I don't yeah, even remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty it, sure it was, was it, Mike Shula. That sounds pretty Yeah, sounds I think right. so. It was He was the quarterback's coach and then he got promoted because he works well with Eli yeah. and Mac, McAdoo didn't want him stepping on the toes and trying to call plays over him. So he was like, yeah, I'll just hire this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes a good football team with the Giants because they don't know. It, it's pretty obvious they don't know what makes a good football team because it's been four years now of just absolute cluelessness where they go out every Sunday and they were just mind-numbingly dumb plays, five to ten of them a week. You remember week two against the Bears where they went out on fourth down and short to try and draw the Bears off sides? And the center did not touch the football to snap it. <laughs> he just Wheeler had his hands at his side and never touched the ball. How are the Bears going to jump off sides if there's not even a threat of the center snapping the ball? <laughs> it's just you can't make this up. And we're going to get to Jason Garrett and this abysmal offense that hasn't had a passing touchdown since what week two? I think week one. Week I one, think I yeah, saw that on Twitter earlier today. The they right. the last time Daniel Jones threw a, threw a touchdown pass was week one which yeah. is shocking. It's like, it's insane. This And the league is set up for quarterbacks to be good. The rules favor passing offenses. Pass interference gets called a disgusting amount. Just do the, the ugly Big Ten, just throw it up to the tall guy and hope they tackle him before the ball gets there. It's not pretty, but the Giants have got, there needs to be more urgency. The Giants are just so nonchalant with run first down, second and seven, run second down, third and five. All right, obvious passing situation. Your young quarterback has to throw, and the pass rush knows that. So they can come after him and play coverage and blitz, and they just looked awful now for two and a half, three years, just outright awful with no direction of any kind. And it brings us to where we are now, where they don't have a lot to work with going forward. And I know we talked about how they can get better. I mean, they need a lot. Yeah, they, they really do. I mean, the offense for, oh, for a number of years now has been relying on incredible players to make incredible plays out of nothing, like Saquon and Odell. For I mean, pretty much since they've had those guys, that they've been the whole offense. And it's like, if we're going to score points, it's going to be because – Odell Beckham is going to catch a ball over a guy's head or he's going to catch a slant and run 80 yards, you know, on a five yard slant or Saquon Barkley is going to make seven guys miss, you know, that's the, I was, that's been the offense for a number of years. And that's not like, that's not a real plan on offense. You know, it's just, it's, it's not viable and you, you can't keep up with, with actual good defenses and actual good offenses with that plan. 
these are the New York Giants. Like everyone, I've always never really understood the boomer media's reverence for the Giants because aside from like two 10 year windows, they've been exist in existence for like 60 years. Aside from like 15 of those years, the Giants have been pretty mid in most of their existence. Aside from the George Young, Bill Parcells years in the 80s and then the Coughlin, the end of Acorsi and Coughlin and Jerry Reese and Coughlin, the Giants have been pretty crappy most of their existence and it brings us to a point now where the organization doesn't think there's a problem i mean what we talk i keep freaking saying we keep talking we talked about but it goes back to the point of they thought all they needed to do was just change the general manager change the head coach the players are fine they'll figure it out and it's so obviously more than that that you can't just bring in someone who thinks the same way as you do, like they did with Gettleman, who was assistant general manager for the Giants a number of years ago. And the Giants let Ernie Accorsi, their general manager, who retired after they won the Super Bowl in 2007, recommend Gettleman to be the general manager. It brings us to the point now where it's basically hopeless. I mean, we're just the Jets in blue, basically, right now. That's really the only difference. There's there's not a big difference between the two New York football teams right now. It, it there really isn't. They're they're both pretty directionless, and they're both. Pre- I mean, I don't want to say that about the Jets because Joe du- Joe Douglas, it's very early, so we don't know yet. But he seems like he kind of has a plan. Gettleman obviously doesn't, and he's obviously going to be out. I mean, we hope, knock on wood, he's going to be he's going to be gone after the season, and then maybe you get somebody in here with with a plan, like with an actual idea of how to build this roster, but. Yeah, there's there hasn't been a lot to be proud about, you know, of the Giants since they won that Super Bowl in in 2011. You know, there was a nice one season where they they won 11 games, but who cares? Like nobody even cares about that one season anymore because the rest of the seasons have been awful. Yeah, I mean, the team right now, there's what we said about 10 guys worth keeping. We said Dexter Lawrence, the X Men. We have Julian Love down here just because you need a warm body. McKinney, yeah. we said we'll keep the entire draft class from 2019 because it's too early to grade. Slayton, yeah. good. Saquon, good, yeah. I don't want to pay next year in a year and a half from now, which is going to be an issue, but we'll do that afterwards. Hernandez, yeah. he's not good, but he's a playable left guard in the National Football League. That's He's fine. like slightly above average, yeah. yeah. Lorenzo Carter, decent. BJ Hill, decent. Bradbury. We missing anyone? I mean, I, I mean Blake Martinez is better Martinez. than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. You know, I mean the defense, the defense as a whole hasn't been awful. They've been okay. Um, yeah. So, but there's certainly improvement. I mean, there's no real superstar on this defense, so you can certainly improve you know, every area. But at least they have like. There's like a little bit to be to look forward to watching the defense. You can kind of you hope they're they're gonna not make a fool of themselves every time they step on the field like the offense does. I mean, I'll give them credit. They don't have a ton of talent on defense, but they're aside from the game against San Francisco, they've been pretty good. They've been decent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the they've they've been game, about they've been about middle of the pack. The Dallas game you accept because Dallas has a great offense. Even without Dak exactly, and Andy yeah. Dalton running it, you accept the fact Dallas is going to score 30 points pretty much every week. The yeah, they've done it to everybody. B, the San Francisco B team is – that's a bad look for the defense. But they did a good yeah. job against the Rams, who are a pretty good team. They did okay against the Bears. That's not really saying much. But they were <laughs> all right against Pittsburgh, who looks pretty good. I mean – there is something to work with, at least on defense, and what Patrick Graham is doing with that facsimile version of the New England defense where, like, nobody really lines up as, like, a down lineman or a linebacker. They're just all kind of floating around, so the de- offense doesn't really know what to look at. And then as the play comes, you figure out who's going in after the quarterback and who's dropping back. It's a cheap trick that teams can use when they don't have the most talented guys. The best thing you can do when you don't have the most talent scheme and the, it's clear that the defense and Patrick Graham have some semblance of a clue the offense and Jason Garrett have absolutely no clue yeah no they're they're, clue to speak they're, they're a lost cause I mean especially when you look at you know I know we're gonna get into it a little bit later but you look at other teams around the league and offenses that are on 
a similar level talent wise that are performing much better. I mean, pretty much every offense is performing better than the Giants, but we you got know. the Jets. We're better than the Jets offense. That's the one yeah, offense I mean, the Giants are better than. I mean, I guess, but at least Sam Donald's throwing touchdown passes, you know. <laughs> like you could say that about the guy. You can't even say that about Daniel Jones. So yeah, like I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I know we're gonna talk about other teams later and how how they, they relate to the Giants. But yeah, you just you look at the defense, you could see you could see some improvement, you could see signs of life. The offense, there's there's just no hope right now. I mean, what did Garrett say during the week? Like on Monday, I think we're going to figure out the offense soon. Like it's week six of the season. How oh, yeah, he was, he was saying like, we, we have to figure out what our players are good at and then, and then make sure we do that. And it's like, yeah, you're almost, you, you've played like a third of your season already. And you were here the entire, like, I know the off season was shortened because of COVID. I get that, but everybody's figuring it out. You're not the first, you're not the only first year OC in the league like you don't know what your players are how do you not know like what your players are good at apparently Evan Ingram's good at running the ball because he keeps trying to do it it's not like you're throwing it to him either <laughs> I mean I, we're one of the things I saw in Dan Duggan the athletic the Giants athletic writer in his weekly recap to from I think he posted it Tuesday was he talked about how the Giants just basically are misusing Evan Ingram that he, the majority of his routes this year have just been simple curls and they're not allowing him to use his spe- speed and size to like make plays on the ball where it's basically. Thinks, yeah. Garrett just, thinks Evan Ingram's Jason Witten. Yeah. Jason that, Witten's the perfect. king of the curl route. Perfectly he thinks said. Jason, I mean, Jason Witten, the king of the curl route, yeah. the absolute king. Evan Ingram, a polar opposite tight end of Jason Witten. And they're still trying to use him like Jason Witten. I mean, it makes like I get it. Make it the idea makes sense in my mind because it's Jason Garrett and he's just trying to. He's like, oh, it worked with Wade and it should work with Evan Ingram, but in reality, they're completely different and it doesn't make any sense. So, and they've used I, Ingram wrong since he's gotten here. I mean, pretty, we've yeah, been beating the drum that since they drafted him, just throw him in the slot. He cannot block to save his life. You're better off trying to use him as a receiver on corners where he can bully them than having him in line trying to pass protect and getting matched up with, you know, there were there was one play against the Bears week two uh, where they had three tight ends all on the same side of the offensive line to the left, and Khalil Mack got to Daniel Jones untouched because none of the blocking tight ends picked up Khalil Mack untouched and just clobbered Jones. I, it's just – it's mind-numbing how bad the concepts are. Like, we make fun of the Jets for only throwing behind the line of scrimmage and expecting Jamison Crowder to make eight people miss. All the Giants do is send their guys downfield, and then if they're covered, that's it. No one's open. That's the end of the play. Jones will look. Everyone's covered. Oh, no. Oh, no. And he gets clobbered and fumbles or forces a ball into a tight window because no one gets open because the plays stink. No one's getting open because these aren't creative. Slants and curls are... This is the National Football League, to sound like Lewis Riddick, where he has to say National Football League every time. But the defensive backs are good here. They're fast here. At the very least, they can keep people near them. They're forcing a young quarterback to throw into insanely tight windows. And there's, it's, a, it's hard to blame Jones for not getting better when he's not being set up for success. And we're like you said, we're going to talk about the way teams are able to put average to good quarterbacks in a position to win, you can get decent. I feel like Jones can make all of the throws. I feel like physically he is, has the tools to be a good football. Yeah. He's shown, he's shown it before. Like there, there are situations, you know, there are throws he makes and I'm like, that's a nice throw. Like he makes, he can throw a deep ball pretty well sometimes. Like he, he can make throws. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I don't want to say all, you know, certainly some of the, on him but he's not getting any help that's you know you can't deny the fact that he's not getting any help by from his from his teammates and or from his coaches um but yeah he he certainly can make the throws like we, we've seen it before we've seen flashes of of i don't want to say brilliance but we've seen flashes of of a starting a quality in a quarterback yeah, yeah. a quarterback you can win like eight plus games with you know, i remember we've watching seen that I remember watching his when he came in at halftime against the Bucks last year with you at Red Zone at Trevor's house. That was amazing. Yeah. He came yeah. in and was just making shit happen with no blocking, where 
He's flushed out of the pocket and just firing as hard as he can. He's got a good arm. He's reasonably athletic where he can move around. They need to incorporate he, more design runs for him. To be I honest. was going to say that, yeah. they he, he can make guys miss sometimes. He's not a bad runner. Yeah, no. He, he's, I, not a, he, he's, he's, he's not a bad runner. He's leading the team in rushing yards right now. <laughs> no, he was leading the team in rushing yards as recently as last week. I don't know if Freeman passed him or not. Was he? I don't think so because Freeman mean, only I, had like 35 I, yards last week. But Yeah, yeah. I, I doubt Freeman had a good enough game to pass him. <laughs> <laughs> oh god man this is really our lives this is really it yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're watching a team coached by jason garrett uh, jason garrett's offense because we watched the cowboys for the last 15 years always just score 18 to 24 points in every single big game they were in with decent talent the cowboys have always had decent talent and up until last year really they never really exploded like yeah. Bromo's career is going to get lost to history because he didn't play long enough to make the Hall of Fame, but he put up really good numbers. But they just never he, scored a ton of points. Yeah, yeah. He Tony Romo is yeah. I, I think that's a good way to put it. He's he's probably going to get lost because he yeah he put up big numbers. He was not fun to play against. You know, watching the Giants go up against him and they they had a lot of really good teams. Like won a lot of football games too, for for a number of years. Yeah. But yeah, he he, you know, especially how how his career kind of ended where. You know, he gets hurt in, in what, in a preseason game? And yeah. then Dak takes over and Dak's, you know, the hot new stuff. And you, he just couldn't get his job back, Romo, because of how good Dak Prescott was playing. That's kind of how his career just ended and petered out, just out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I, we got to – that's the thing that's so frustrating about it is we are not professionals. We just watch football. And we could, we, the people at home who watch the Cowboys every week can com- consistently complain throughout Jason Garrett's tenure that the offense wasn't creative enough and they weren't doing enough to get the ball to their playmakers and creative ways where they had really good guys. They have Zeke, who's awesome. They had Des Bryant for those few years when he was at his peak. They had Amari Cooper and Gallup last year. I mean, granted, I'm not going out on the limb here. It's not really a lot to say that the Cowboys have good players, so they score more points. But at some point, you got to start coming up with something where Garrett is just, he's doing the same thing he did in Dallas all those years with the Giants now. And the Giants aren't as talented as Dallas was. Not so the flaws, were, the flaws that existed in Dallas, where the talent was able to make up for the problem, right? The Giants don't have the talent to make up for the scheme problems. They just don't. Not not even close. They have very minimal offensive talent, especially now that Saquon Barkley's out out for the season. There's there's really no there's no big spark. Like Darius Slayton makes some decent plays every once in a while. He, he's nice to watch, but I think like a lot of us as Giants fans, our opinion of Slayton's a little inflated because he's like the only, the only guy. The only sign of life in, within this offense right now, like th- it's Darius Slayton, and then there's Golden Tate, and then there's Sterling. Like Sterling Shepard's a decent player, but you you can't even get ten games out of the guy. So, you know, like Evan Engram is is lost and lost in the scheme. Saquon Barkley's out for the year. You know, it's really only Darius Slayton. He's the only guy to even look at for any kind of sign. And like he's he's not nearly as good as you know as Odell or, you know, Hakeem Nix or Victor Cruz. Like, he's not any of those guys. He's a good player, but it's just he's the guy to look at now because he's the only sign of life. Uh, And going back to what we were saying before about Garrett was it made sense to pound the ball into the offensive line in Dallas because they had such a good offensive line. And they had, you know, DeMarco Murray, Zeke. I'm missing a running back. What Dallas running back am I missing? Zeke? DeMarco they didn't have Murray. somebody in between. I can't. I can't remember who it was. I know they had. I remember they had Darren McFadden as a backup yeah. to Demarco Murray. I don't think he. I don't know if he started for him for a season, but I know Darren McFadden was on the and Cowboys he wasn't roster. Bad. He wasn't bad. No, because because they had three All Pros on the offensive line. That's like you know, yeah. I, I it, that that certainly helps having one of the best. You know, the best offensive line in football at the time. But yeah, you know, they 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 got quality out of running back. They had good running backs. And then you look at what it, – that's the thing that's mind-boggling. Deion Lewis and, and um, Devontae Freeman, they're not Zeke. They're not DeMarco Murray. 
and the offensive line isn't good enough to get them open to get running lanes open for them so that's where all of the insistence on running in first and second down is just making me lose my mind because even with Saquon he's just getting tackled in the backfield constantly because the offensive line can't get any push maybe it's time we stop running on first down every single time because the other team just okay we can send eight into the box now they're gonna run it's first down and it it leaves your quarterback in a bad position. And it's it's why Jones looks awful because the Giants are entirely predictable now. Teams yeah, can it, come out it, and assume what's going to happen and it makes it infinitely harder to play offense when the other team knows what you're going to do. Yeah, they're just, they're just bashing their head against the wall constantly and just hoping something changes. Like the wall breaks at some, re- at some point, but the wall is stronger than your head. Like if you just keep running the ball first down, Teams generally teams are smart enough to pick up on that and they're gonna be like, Oh, they're gonna run the ball, right, let's just stack the box. And then you're gonna run the ball again, probably. All right, let's stack the box again. And then now now you're in a bad passing situation. You have to throw the ball in third and eight. You're 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 stuck in this situation. And then we could just we could send the house at Daniel Jones or drop back and leave him no no lanes to pass through. And the only person who's gonna get open is Slayton, and that's if they don't have the safety shaded over to that side of the field. Golden yeah. Tate's not no. beating anyone off the line of scrimmage. No. no. I mean, he'll be open at four yards down, you know, past the line of scrimmage. But when it's third and ten, it doesn't matter if he gets to the if he catches the pass four yards past the line of scrimmage. You know, he's not going to make three guys miss to get the first down. It's just not going to happen. Maybe the Giants should play Golden Tate at running back. It works in Madden. Yeah, he goes like a ninety in Madden because he has good agility. (laughs) So now that we've established that the Giants have been run poorly for several years now. And it's why they are so hopeless right now. And we start looking towards what we hope is a better future. Realistically, what can we take away from the team right now? Just of, all right, this could potentially be something going forward. I think it's too early to say with Judge, one way or another, where he he hasn't had enough time. But he's also going to get shoehorned into the problem of, Gettleman probably gets fired this offseason or retires this offseason. <laughs> and the, a new GM comes in. A new GM's going to want his own head coach. Yeah. It, it, the problem, I know Ethan specifically has mentioned this more than once, is if Gettleman just retires and they promote Kevin Abrams, the assistant GM, to GM, nothing is going to change. Not a nothing. single thing is going to change. And we're going to be doing the same song and dance with Jason Garrett and Joe Judge next year where it's hard to say one way or another what's going on because there's just no talent which it's hard to be a good football team when you have no talent as dumb as that sounds I like having more good players on my team than not it's something the Giants haven't been good at in a while you know letting Landon Collins leave for nothing trading Odell Beckham just letting snacks go uh, cutting um, Jack Rabbit in the middle of the season without getting any value back for him. It's just, you got to have guys on your team, man. At the, it's hard to win football games if you don't have good players. And the Giants don't have good players, and they've let good players leave or force yeah, them out the door. The, 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 the few times they're able to, to, to draft a good player, they usually let them walk. They, they usually don't stick around long enough. Um, I mean, we can just look at Devon Kennard. He's, he was a good, really good pick, and he hasn't – I mean, they just let him walk in free agency for nothing. He played his four years, his contract was up, and they just let him go. And then he was a really good player in, in Detroit, and I think he's in Arizona or wherever he is. He's, he's still in the league, and he's, he's a better he's player. He's a serviceable linebacker. That's yeah, I, he, would, he would start on this Giants defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you just want to hit your head against the wall because – there's no signs of getting better because the same people are going to be in charge and they're going to keep making the decisions they make based on the way they think, which haven't been working to begin with, where it's a self-fulfilling failure, where they're going to do one thing because their mindset says, all right, we need to run the ball and we need to stop the run. And that's what the Giants have tried to do for the last three years. And they don't block well enough to run the ball effectively. And yeah, Dexter Lawrence isn't bad. BJ Hill isn't bad. Leonard Williams has, he's not awful. He's a fine NFL football player, but they just, the mindset of we're going to stop the run 
as our defense's calling card in a pass-heavy league, it doesn't make sense. Saying we're going to run the ball, and that's going to be the focal point of our offense when we don't block well enough, and passing is the way to win in today's NFL. It just it's a failure to understand that the game has passed the Giants by. And it's pretty obvious that the game has passed the Giants by, and they've been unwilling to recognize that. And once we transition the conversation to talking about getting better going forward, I know it's it's hard to say we need a new head coach because judges only had six games, but can you be successful in the NFL today with a defense, a special team slash defense head coach? When you look around the league, I mean, Belichick exception to the rule, John Harbaugh exception to the rule. Are there any other defensive head coaches that come to mind? I mean, Vrabel's pretty good at it, what he does in Tennessee. Yeah, he's, he's okay. But they also don't have this, like, cutting-edge offense because yeah. the, the big thing is, is, like, you need your offense to be good to win football games. And if if your head coach isn't the one running the offense and the OC is, the OC can get plucked, you know, from, yeah. from under your nose at any point. And is, what Tennessee might face this offseason with Arthur Smith yeah. where – he's probably going to get poached and someone will probably yeah. hire him because he's gotten decent results out of not the most talent. I mean, yeah, well, granted. Yeah. Derrick Henry's a truck and he's good. And AJ Brown is good. And Johnu Smith is pretty good. But I mean, did anyone think Ryan Tannehill was capable of this when he came out of college? No. Did anyone think he was capable of this when Tennessee signed him to be their backup two years ago? No, but it's, a good coordinator can make things work. Not even just yeah. be good, just make things work. And that's the problem the Giants have right now is where even if they say we're starting over and we're going to tear it all the way down and go forward is they needed someone who can call offense to put their players in a position to succeed, especially because they're not a very talented offense. Where we start looking at we, – we struggled, honestly, looking for someone we could – poach to be an offensive coordinator on this staff because a it's hard to get ocs to move laterally because you need the other team's permission to do it which is problem number one and number two is going from qb coach to oc is a big jump in responsibility and what you have to do and it's not easy to do to be quite frank i mean going from just dealing with three guys to an entire offense is difficult and it's what makes being a, a new oc difficult and I mean, what Carolina's done with Joe Brady is probably the closest thing you can do to stealing an idea is you need to go probably go to college for an offensive coordinator who can scheme up a good offense. Realistically. Yeah, probably. Because now transitioning the conversation towards that, what teams can the Giants look to emulate going forward? And I don't want to say copy, but at some point you got to realize the whole Belichick disciple thing, it just doesn't work. I mean, all due respect to what Bill O'Brien did at Penn State, that was difficult. Building a team up again with no scholarships, that's difficult. But coaching in college and coaching in the NFL are very different. Patricia flamed out. Josh McDaniels, scared to take another head coaching job. I will say, Brian Flores looks decent. Miami is at least a respectable football team. And I think the Giants are, at least in for some reason, the conventional sports media views the Giants as respectable now that they're not getting murdered every week. Like I know yeah. Rich Eisen constantly says that at least the Giants are competitive. I'm tired of being just competitive. I want to be relevant. Yeah, you want to. I, I don't. I don't care if they lose like a close game. I'd rather just not lose. Yeah, I'd like to win. At some <laughs> point, you got to start winning football games. Yeah, you gotta start winning football games. Yeah, you can't go keep doing this three win season, four win season, six win season, two win season. You just can't be stuck in this this purgatory where the Browns have resided forever, where the Lions have resided forever, where the Jaguars have resided forever. Which is very realistically where the Giants are headed if they don't wholesale change the organization. And it brings us to this point of. What works in the NFL right now? We know speed, spread offenses, 
you know, rushing the passer. We know those principles as a philosophy work. What are the Giants doing? Running three tight end sets and two receivers downfield. And not good wide receivers who are fast either. I mean, Slayton's reasonably quick, but Giants don't have a lot of team speed on offense, to be quite frank. And it's not part really. of the problem. You look at the Chiefs where they just crap out four four forty guys where they bring in the third, fourth receiver off the bench, whether it's Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson, and they're just out. They're fast. They're not great receivers, but they get open because they're fast. I mean, yeah. some, I'd rather just say, all right, this isn't working. Let's go get the fastest guy we can off the street and just see what happens. There are fast guys out there who just flame, who don't get drafted, and I'd rather give that a try than 30-year-old Golden Tate. I'd rather try young guys than just be resigned to the, this is how it's always been done, so we got to do it this way. Yeah, I mean, you know you know what, like, we knew what Golden Tate was going to be when the Giants signed him for $10 million a year. Like, there wasn't like he was going to have some, some you know, career turnaround and going to turn into this completely new receiver. It wasn't going to happen. You know, generally, like I said before, generally speaking, there's a reason guys going drafted, but every once in a while you find a diamond in the earth. Why not take a chance and give the young receiver a chance instead of the 30-year-old Golden Tate, especially when, you know, Again, they weren't going to be competitive. It wasn't like Golden Tate was going to put them over the edge to 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 win, you know, win some more games and then make the playoffs or whatever. That wasn't going to happen. He he wasn't going to be that that spark or that that final piece to get over the hump. So like, what's the point of even signing him? You're just wasting money on on an old, you know, an old player that doesn't help your team now or in the future. Don't be talking about Gettleman's Odell Beckham replacement like that. <laughs> Because he legitimately like, looked at Golden Tate and said, all right, this guy's going to replace Odo Beckham in our offense, and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, it's like Bill O'Brien trading a new Hopkins, and like, you know, what's on Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks? That'll be that, – that, that'll do. That'll fix it. Oh, <laughs> God, man. And so as far as models for building your team, because obviously the Gettleman plan is not working. So yeah. we said – we I have five-ish written down here. I have – the Cowboys just saying we're going to draft offensive linemen until we're ready and then drop a quarterback in and go from there. That's the first one we have written down. Then number two, we have what Carolina's doing with Matt Rule where they just give him carte blanche and say, do whatever you want. We're starting over. You have five years. Take as much time as you need to get ready. And then once you're ready, you can start dropping guys in because they spent all their draft picks last year on defense. I'm assuming this upcoming year, they're going to be in the market for one of the quarterbacks. Will they be bad enough to get one of the good quarterbacks in the draft? Probably not. I mean, you got to figure. Lawrence is a lock to go first overall. Yeah. And Justin Fields and Trey Lance, probably top 15, 20 guys. Top 15, yeah. top 20 in the draft guys. You could probably get Trey Lance around 15, 16. Carolina could be picking in that range. And if you drop Trey Lance in that offense, you had a dynamic quarterback to what they already have, where they have McCaffrey, they got DJ Moore, they got Curtis Samuel, they got Robbie Anderson. They've got pieces. And then suddenly, excuse me, suddenly tearing it down, it worked because they took the time to assess what do we really need to do here? Okay, we got to tear it all the way down and start over. Carolina looks like they're heading in the right direction at the very least. Carolina fans have a semblance of hope where they think Rule is the guy, and they think the offense Joe Brady's running makes sense. Yeah, the defense needs to get better, but it's extremely young and, you know, starting from scratch. You lose someone like Luke Keekley, you're going to have a worse defense. And then I have written down here Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Indianapolis, everything but the quarterback, where those three teams built everything around with a filler quarterback, I can't even say filler. That's disrespectful to Jameis. I would take Jameis over Daniel Jones. but Oh, uh, yeah, he's exciting. <laughs> at the very least, he's exciting. But <laughs> the Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Indianapolis model where they just drafted well, signed some free agents, and had a team ready to go so that when a good quarterback became available – I mean, not again. Is Phillip Rivers really good anymore? That, But you, you know what I'm saying. Indianapolis yeah. set up their team where – all right, all we need is a quarterback and we can be competitive. And then they had their moment. They pounced. They signed Rivers, who 
doesn't look great so far, but it's early. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt that it's early. Yeah. Then we go to the the coach with their thumb on the scale. The the really good coach who can make things happen with less talent than they have. I we put in this category McVeigh and Kyle Shanahan, where they're not they have good teams, but they are able to get a lot more out of their talent than they actually have. Yeah. So and then after that we have the Tennessee model, which is their own little <laughs> column, which is just defense and running the ball, because I really don't think that's a realistic model for most teams to pursue just because there aren't Derrick Henry's in every draft where you can run the ball 30 times and eventually yeah, he's just going to break one. They, they don't make linebacker size running backs too often anymore. And then the last <laughs> one I have written down here is the Browns, which is just sucking forever. And eventually your draft picks have to start hitting. Eventually you suck long enough. Some of these guys are good. I think Baker is going to be a decent to slightly above average NFL quarterback. Miles Garrett is a monster. Chubb is good. Austin Hooper, good free agent signing. Jack Conklin, good free agent signing. They've drafted decently well on defense where they've got uh, Denzel Ward and they got Greedy Williams and they took Delpit who didn't get to play this year. But Which of these paths do you think is probably the easiest to copy? If you had to say which one, this is the one I'd like the Giants to try. I think the easiest one is probably like it. It probably has to be the Dallas model, where you you build the offensive line, you you draft a lineman early and often, and then once you have that set up, you have that that barricade set up for whatever quarterback and running running back you want to use. It's easier to find. A running back that can, you know, if you can, if you can create a running back running lanes, it's going to be a lot easier for them. That you know, you don't need a Zeke Elliott or a Saquon Barkley. You can, you can get by with a Mike Davis, so you can get by, you know, with with a fourth, fifth round running back like a Miles Gaskin or a James Robinson. You, you can use those guys more effectively if you have a great offensive line. And it's same with the, same thing with the quarterback, like Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott was a great quarterback when he first started for the Dallas Cowboys, but they had the best offensive line in football. They had a running back that they drafted what fourth overall. So they, he had a lot of protection and they made it very easy for him. They, they didn't, he didn't have to make a lot of decisions out. Now he's blossomed into, I think a very good quarterback and he makes, he makes a lot of plays, you know, a lot more plays himself now that the offensive line's diminished a little bit, but still, I think building the offensive line has got to be the easiest because you know, we were, we were we were preparing for the show. We were we were trying to find some some statistics to back it up. And generally speaking, the the hit rate on offensive linemen in the first round of the draft is higher than than mo- pretty much o- most other positions. And that the when when an offensive lineman is projected to go in the first round, especially the high first round, it generally means they're good. I get I I don't I'm not a professional scout. I don't you know I don't know for sure. Or personal experience, but generally speaking, it seems like whenever there's a guy, an offensive lineman that's projected to go first round and the team takes him, he usually turns out to be pretty good. It seems like the the most foolproof position in the draft in the NFL. And if you could just take it easy, draft guys you know are going to be good, like offensive linemen, like like Quentin Nelson. You know, if you could take those guys, you you get enough of them, it just makes everything else on the offense much easier to build around because that's the most important part. I mean, we've seen we've seen good offenses get derailed by bad offensive lines, and then we've seen bad offenses get carried by good offensive lines. So I think building the offensive line is probably the easiest way to do it, the Dallas model. And then you know, I mean, obviously the best and most sustainable way is a great coach, but Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan don't grow on trees, so we can't expect to just pluck them out of nowhere. You know, maybe you get lucky and you get one of those guys, but I think. You know, if you're asking for the easiest model, and I think the easiest one to replicate, I think it's got to be the Dallas Cowboys model, just drafting offensive linemen and then building the team around that because it, a good offensive line just it creates it creates opportunities for running backs and quarterbacks. And because the other positions on offense, aside from quarterback, are relatively easy to replace. You yeah. can get receivers and running backs and tight ends. You don't have to use premium picks on them. You can get good receivers, tight ends, and running backs, third round, fourth round. You can find guys in the fifth round where they can be serviceable. And if you have a good offensive line, it's easier for them. And then once you're ready, you can either drop in a quarterback who's already established 
or you can draft one highly and put them in a position to succeed. Granted, what Dallas did with Dak, a bit of an outlier where they got a third round quarterback who's good, sure, yeah. just outright good. Same thing with Seattle and Russell Wilson, where they took a guy second day of the draft, but it worked because they put their guys in a position to succeed. Russ is a little different because they've never really had a lot of talent. He's just kind of always been running around like Fran Tarkenton, making yeah. things happen. And somehow they've won all these football games this decade where they got so much value from defense and shortening the game, running the ball, where that as long as they were within a score late, Russ could make something happen and win. I don't think that's a workable model for most teams. I think you no. got to have the Hall of Fame quarterback like Russell Wilson to do that. But yeah. realistically, I think I'm in agreement with you where you say, this isn't working. We need to start with, all right, we need to put our quarterback in a position to succeed. What's the best way to do that? Offensive linemen. We're going to draft guards. We're going to draft tackles. Because right now, Thomas is he's better than Nate Solder, but Andrew Thomas hasn't been good yet. We no. can firmly say he hasn't been great yet. This, he's left a lot to be desired so far. Yeah, yeah. Especially with how well some of the other linemen have played, with Becton playing pretty well for the Jets, being like the only good thing to happen to the Jets this year so far. <laughs> yeah. Where, so you figure, Thomas, he's your guy at left tackle, at least till his at the end of his rookie contract. Left guard, Hernandez, he's got two more years. They'll go from there. They probably stick with him those two more years. Center, they drafted Shane Lemieux, the guard from Oregon. It remains to be seen if he can actually play center. Right guard, Zeitler's fine. I have no complaints. He's, he's okay, yeah. He's, he's getting up there, though. You, you're going to have to move on soon. I think he's, I think he's over 30 now. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's a good player, and he's nice to have right now. But, yeah, you can't rely on him long term. And then right tackle is just a revolving door of – whoever they can throw out there. I mean, they threw Pert in there last week just because they were just so tired of Remmers sucking. Not Remmers, Cam Fleming. Fleming. Yeah, Cam Fleming, yeah. Why was I thinking of Mike Remmers? Maybe because uh, he was he was the right tackle last year and he yeah, wasn't yeah, any yeah, good. Yeah. He was yeah. about just as good as Cameron Fleming has been this year. So that's a, that goes back to the point of just throw the young guy in there. We're not winning football games. What does it matter? Throw Pert in there and let him figure it out whether he's good yeah. or not. That lets you know all you need to know. If he holds his own, all right, we've got a right tackle. If not, all right, we got to draft another one. I do agree with you that you say we're just going to draft offensive linemen and we're going to figure out defense later because realistically. You can get by with an average defense in today's NFL. It's really yeah. all you need and is average. That's that's what they have right now. They have an average defense. It's very middle of the pack. And if they had a good offense, they could be winning a lot of football games right now. I mean, def- the defense hasn't lost them any games yet. Realistically, it, it hasn't. they were in the Bears game. They were in the Steelers yeah. game most of the game. They've been in every game except for the, the San Francisco, Francisco game. And, yeah, the defense gave a lot of points. But, what, the offense scored nine? Like – that's not, you know, because, I mean, the defense didn't play well, but the offense didn't do anything either. So it's not all just, the defense. I just thought of this was the defense is playing pretty well considering how much they've been on the field. The offense yeah, is that, not getting a lot of first downs. The defense is having to play a lot. So it's yeah. worth mentioning again that, yeah, the, the defense isn't horrendous. And with a halfway decent offense, the Giants could be probably, I don't want to say good, but they could at least be competitive. I yeah, think, I mean, they, they, they could have, they could easily be, you know, three and two, two and three right now. If the offense was just respectable, if it was the offense was middle of the pack too, they they probably beat they probably beat Chicago, they probably beat Dallas, and um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they beat Pittsburgh, they 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 don't beat San Francisco, but they could probably beat the Rams too. I mean, they were close in their Rams game; they yeah. had a chance to win late. Yeah, and then you know, it brings us back to this overarching of <laughs> well. And we don't even get to say, at least we're not the Jets. We basically are the Jets now. I, the records, they have the same amount of wins. Don't matter. Yeah. Don't matter if they, they lose better than the Jets do. Don't matter. The Giants have the same amount of wins. All right. So the last topic I have written down here is quarterback going forward. It, before we wrap things up is quarterback going forward. I have written down here 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Aaron uh, Garoppolo, Carr, and Cam Newton as potential veteran quarterbacks who could become available within the next year or two if they don't end up with Trevor Lawrence. And I don't feel comfortable enough with either Trey Lance or um, Justin Fields Justin Fields in, yeah. in the top 10. 
So if uh, gun to your head of those older quarterbacks and you had to suck it up for another year or two with them as we tried rebuilding this offensive line, which one appeals to you the most? I mean, I take any of anyone that you can get because that's right now they're all better than, than Daniel Jones. But I mean, Cam Newton is probably the most appealing, honestly. Um, I know he's the it, youngest it is a couple of all of them. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's, I think Rogers would obviously be the big name, but he's, I think, a couple years away. So he's a little two bit longer, from but, free agency. The conspiracy yeah. theory Easton tried starting was what happens if the Packers win the Super Bowl this year? He says, fuck you to the Packers and I want out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's possible. If they can get Aaron Rodgers, I would take Aaron Rodgers every, every day, you know, every day of the week. But he's I think Cam man. Newton's probably the most attainable. And Cam Newton is, he's showing again, he's a damn good quarterback and he probably, Shouldn't have been let go by the Panthers and definitely should have been signed by somebody before New England got to him because, I mean, he signed pretty late and he got they got him for very cheap. And he's and not doing I, it with I, a lot. The Patriots no. don't have a lot of talent. No, they, they really don't. I mean, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you who their leading rusher is. It's probably Cam Newton, honestly, their leading rusher. Yeah. But, like, actual running back, I couldn't tell you who it is. I know Rex Burkhead had, like, a game a couple weeks ago. But, like, I mean, Rex Burkhead, really? That's is that that's your guy at running back? It's... I know it's not, but they don't really have anybody else. And Keel Harry has been okay. Edelman's still pretty good, but he's like 32 now. So I, I couldn't name another receiver on that roster outside of Harry and, and Edelman. So there's not a lot of talent. There, there really isn't. I think there's more talent on the Bears. And I know the Bears are, what, four and one now? But mm. I, you know, can't do it. Certainly better than any quarterback the Bears have thrown out there. And I don't even know how long. After the Bears um, won on Thursday Night Football last week, Big Cat tweeted out a graphic that someone at PFF made that said the Bears are the second worst 4-1 team in the history of 4-1 and teams. <laughs> and that sounds about right, considering the games they won. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they played pretty decent on Thursday night, but any other every other game you've watched, we watched them play, they, they're, not, they're not inspiring a lot of confidence. No. You know, like they, they probably should have lost to the Giants, or could, they definitely easily could have lost to the Giants. Right. I mean, they played they played some stinky teams so far this season, the Bears. So, you know. Surprising to to see that they're the worst or second worst four and one team of all time. It certainly makes sense. If you're just watching them play, they're not very good and they'd be a lot better with Cam Newton. So I'll take Cam Newton on the Giants. At the very least, the Giants would be fun. They wouldn't be good, but it would be nice to have someone fun again because. When was the last yeah. time you genuinely had fun watching a Giants game? Uh, probably twenty, <laughs> probably twenty sixteen. I mean, when Odell left, when they traded Odell, that was they definitely went out the window. Then at least like when Odell was on the roster, even though they were losing a bunch of games, I could at least be like, all right, this guy's probably gonna make some insane play at some point, and then I can get hyped about that and retweet that or something. You know that that was something to look forward to. Now, especially now that Barkley's out, there's there's like. It's like, oh, Darius Slayton might make a nice grab, but that happens once every five, four or five weeks. It's, I don't know. There's really nothing to be excited about now. It's probably when Odell left is the last time I was excited to watch, and that was just because I was excited to watch Odell play. It's nice having awesome. fun players. It's, it's yeah, it's good. Things. It's, I, I mean, I know I, I keep harping on this, but it's good to have good players on your football team. Yeah, generally try speaking, and keep them. the teams that win have good players. You should try and keep good players instead of trading <laughs> them or yeah. letting them leave. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just at this let's, point. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a good player and then trade him for a chance to draft another good player. We don't know if the player we're gonna take is gonna be good. It's like it's like the family, family guy. Family guy. Yeah, like you, the mystery. You box. have the boat. No, the mystery box. Anything could be in the mystery box, even a boat. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they had Odell, and then they 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 traded away. They traded them away for a chance to draft a guy who might be as good as Odell. But he might not be. Tackle. And he, yeah, and he wasn't. Like Dexter Lawrence is fine, but he's never going to offer the value that Odell Beckham did unless he turns into Aaron Donald or JJ Watt. And I, I like that. Like I said, I like Dexter Lawrence, but that's not going to happen. He's not going to turn into a 15 sack guy or 20 sack a season guy. It's just, it's not in the cards for him. No. So do you have any final points you'd like to make before we send things over to post production? Um, Fire Dave Gettleman and hire somebody from outside the organization, please, Giants. That's all I ask. Just hire, get, get a new, a new vision into the organization. Even if it doesn't work right away, I do not want to see 
an internal hire or somebody who used to be a giant or thinks the same thinks the same way as John Mayer or Dave Gettleman or whoever. I don't want to see that. I just I need to see something different. I need to see a new direction. I don't care. Just anything anything different than what they've been doing for the last ten years because it just it doesn't work. Anything you want to plug? Um, I do have my own show, the Sports Report. Christopher Schweitzer and Hudson River Radio every Wednesdays. You can go follow my Twitter as well, uh, at C Schweitzer with two R's. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to spell my last name, but I'm sure it'll be it'll be somewhere in the tweets promoting this. So, you know, you, you can go find it there. And then, yeah, just follow me on on, on Twitter. Follow my show. If, if you enjoy this, you enjoy hearing me on this. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It was a good, good time talking about the Giants. This is the first time I've talked about the Giants in this level of detail since they were good. So it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. All right, Chris, thanks for coming on. Again, remember, yep. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, we're going to come to your house if you don't subscribe. <laughs> you got to run the ball. You got to stop the run. You got to pressure the passer. Another philosophy about team building. Tom said it to me. Tom Coffin said it to me. Uh, my first year, when he, his first year he came in here, he said, Big men allow you to compete. And that's really just so true. And, you know, the O line and the D line, I'm a bit, I believe in the hog mollies. We've had some great groups here, had great groups everywhere I've been, and we're going to get back to that. We've got to fix the O line. My plan is to come here in here every day and kick ass. That's my plan.